Welcome to the Triple Point Podcast, a podcast for those working at the intersection of weather and climate, technology, and society. We focus on innovators and leaders working to make our communities safe and resilient in the face of a dynamic and ever-changing world. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Harris, and this week, we've had to make a slight adjustment to your regularly scheduled broadcast. We had originally planned to talk about Earth observation sensing technology with our friend Erevin at TerraWatch Space, but due to a minor illness in the Triple Point extended family, we're having to postpone that episode. But yesterday, something happened that I thought would be a good topic to cover, and that was the White House's long-awaited release of its national security strategy. I say long-awaited because it's sort of late to release an important strategy-focused document like this almost halfway through a president's administration. Most administrations release this guiding strategy within the first year of taking office. DOD and other executive branches have had their own strategies ready to broadcast, but they got to fall in line and wait until the national security strategy gets published from the National Security Council before they can publish their own strategies. That's not to say there hasn't been ongoing communication and coordination between the Security Council and executive agencies on climate and other matters. There certainly has. Russia's invasion of Ukraine likely caused some recalculation by the Biden administration and delayed publication. But in my own personal opinion, after reading through this national security strategy, delaying its release probably didn't help provide any new earth-shattering content or improve the quality. That said, I really do appreciate how the administration uses this national security strategy to publicly draw a stark contrast between the virtues of democracy versus revisionist autocracy. I don't want to go too far down the policy wonk rabbit hole, so that's probably enough of that. And since we focus on weather and climate in this podcast, I've really wanted to deep dive a little bit on what this new national security strategy does to move the needle, or not, in the realm of climate change as a national security threat. So first, we should have an objective and nonpartisan understanding of why climate change rises to the level of being a national security pillar. I realize the irony that I'm subjecting you to my somewhat biased views on this subject, but indulge me in my centrist thoughts for just a moment. What does national security even mean? Well, the U.S. law defines this term simply and broadly as the national defense and foreign relations of the United States and it later directs the executive branch to deliver an annual national security strategy report to Congress discussing, quote, the worldwide interests, goals, and objectives of the United States that are vital to the national security of the United States. Clear as mud, right? You'd probably drive a train through that description. But it gives policymakers a wide lens to figure out what is a national security threat. It rightly leaves open the debate for each administration as matters of policy, what they feel are threats to the national defense and foreign relations of our country. Many will and do actively debate whether the changing climate rises to the level of a national security threat. Unfortunately, politics and often hyperbolic media on both ends of the spectrum unnecessarily cloud the topic of climate change. Just take a look at the difference in how the Trump administration viewed climate change versus the Biden administration. The 2017 Trump strategy mentions the single word climate all of once in the environmental sense. There are three other mentions in the business climate sense. 
And this one time climate was called out, it was used as a pejorative distraction within the topic of energy security. Naturally, as one would expect, the word climate shows up 63 times in the most recent Biden strategy. There are clear security threats to our national defense and foreign policy that both administrations certainly agreed on. For example, international hegemonic competitors like a rising China and a revisionist Russia, among other international malign actors. So let's subtract out the politics and let me pose a few clearly rhetorical questions for you to ponder for a moment. If more of your tax dollars every year at the federal, state, and local level are going to natural disaster response and recovery from wildfires, floods, hurricanes, heat, and more to get communities back on their feet and safe from natural disasters, is that not a threat to our economic security? If historic drought causes mass agriculture collapse in countries as it did in Syria over 10 years ago and provide fertile ground for the likes of ISIS to rise up threatening our allies and us directly, is that not a threat to our national security? How about the ongoing sea level rise and coastal flooding and encroachment actively affecting our major military operations out of Norfolk, Langley Air Force Base, and the Hampton Roads area in Virginia, just to name a few? What if I told you the rapidly thawing Arctic as the climate warms is allowing the likes of Russia to increase their posture militarily in the region? Or finally, when a rapidly warming world is showing active signs of choking out important biodiversity and food supply chains, is that not an existential threat worthy of our national and human security? You see, it really does not matter that the climate has always changed. Many use this point to refute climate change as a national security threat. As a climate scientist and strategist, I've seen the data, and I've personally concluded in my own scientific opinion that the climate is changing, has always changed, and will continue to change. What we as humans need to understand is that the pace of the change and the follow-on impacts are what's most concerning to our adaptation and survival. And even if the climate has always changed, our increasing population into more disaster-prone areas increases our exposure to weather and climate hazards. And the fact of the matter remains that greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide are at levels that have not been experienced by human populations ever. In the Biden National Security Strategy released yesterday, many of these scenarios are spelled out to state the case for climate change as a national security threat. So, what can we do about it? Well, first off, we ignore the science at our own peril. More and more people are connecting with these impacts, and that is the first step. It's the reason why climate literacy, for instance, was listed as a key enabler in the Department of Defense's Climate Adaptation Plan published last year. Also, DOD has gone so far as to establish a new office to promote resilience to such national security threats in the Arctic and globally. Beyond climate literacy and global resilience, there are tangible steps that can be taken, some of which are called out the Biden strategy as adaptation, diplomacy, and then energy and mitigation measures. Adaptation is probably the least politicized of those, and it includes strengthening building codes to withstand future climates. We saw some of this play out in Fort Myers, Florida, as the buildings that best weathered Hurricane Ian's wrath a few weeks ago used stronger building codes to survive. Adaptation looks at what the future climate is shaping up to be and adjusts our infrastructure, our technology, 
our transportation, supply chains, and more to be resilient to future changes. Adaptation is our first line of defense and a prudent measure in adjusting to the new climate. The Biden strategy also discusses the use of diplomacy and foreign policy as a means to outcompete our competitors. If the United States is not going to be the partner of choice to support our alliances in the Pacific with their climate concerns, for instance, say like sea level rise impacting island nations, NATO, or perhaps even in our own backyard in the Western Hemisphere, who do you think will be there to cover that influence gap? China, of course. And finally, there's active energy and mitigation measures that we can take. And this is where things get heavily politicized again. Mitigation is all about doing what we can as individuals, businesses, and communities to reduce the environmental footprint we have on the globe, particularly to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases emitted into the atmosphere and also absorbed by our oceans, don't forget. Naturally, the Biden administration in this strategy touts the nation's biggest energy transformation effort with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act earlier this year. These efforts are inextricably linked to domestic energy policy as one side pushes for complete net zero emissions through the use of cleaner but less energy-dense renewable solar, wind, and geothermal technology, while the other side points to our livelihoods depending on dirtier but more energy-reliable and dense fossil fuels. As we have discussed several times on this show, it's all about balance. The final note I'll make specifically on the latest national security strategy is a bit of a critique. As someone who has written many strategies, I was a little disappointed to see this turn out to essentially be a seemingly equally weighted 48-page wish list of initiatives and would like to have seen clear outlined priorities and specific objectives or goals for the executive branch and nation to build from. That said, there's good fodder here to advance work in climate adaptation and security. And I know there's a lot of climate work going on behind the scenes to increase resilience and mitigate future environmental threats to our national security at home and abroad. Well, that's our show for the week. Jeff and I will likely be off the air next week, but stay tuned for more Triple Point podcast action in the weeks ahead. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's Triple Point podcast. If you liked it, subscribe to our newsletter at triplepointpodcast.com. Give us a shout and a five-star rating on your favorite podcast station and tell your friends about it. Or you can email us at triplepointpodcast at the number 81degrees.com. Until next time, have a great week.